Today on CityCast Salt Lake, the writer and director Gianfranco Fernandez Ruiz is a fellow at the American Film Institute who just wrapped production on a short film in Salt Lake. 80% of the movie's cast and crew are Black, Indigenous, or people of color. And Gianfranco says that makes it the most diverse film crew in Utah history. He and I are talking about the film, the power of tradition, and the revolution of being careful. It's Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Gianfranco, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Hey, thank you. Um, congratulations on making a movie. Thank you. Yeah, it sucks. That's a huge feat. Yeah. It sucks. Not, not the movie, making it. Making the movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. Why does it suck? Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? It just, it, yeah, you know, so many moving parts all the time mm-hmm. and uh, so much organization mm-hmm. um, to make a movie. Yeah. It's very, very stressful. A lot of people are putting themselves on the line mm-hmm. and there are uh, this is a lot of a lot of trust. Yeah. It's very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. It's not me. And the talent wears the crown. I just. I don't guess. I don't know. They give out directing awards for a reason. Yeah, this is true. This is this <laughs> is true, actually. Um, yeah. Uh, tell me about sabor. So, OK, so it's sabor, three R's and an exclamation point. So whenever four I read it. R's, four R's. Don't get it wrong. <laughs> four R's and an exclamation point. Whenever I read it, I in my mind, I'm like, sabor. That's how I hear it. Is that right? You're missing it all. I'm missing yeah, it all. That's it. Yeah. Tell me about it. What's it about? Uh, sabor is uh, it's this. It's a really dark uh, and humorous satire on um, on the industry, on how we're often perceived, on being stereotyped. Mm-hmm. It Who's just we? follows this Latin. People of color, BIPOC communities, Mm -hmm. when when we talk about BIPOC communities, Mm -hmm. and it's about this struggling Latinx actor Mm -hmm. who's trying to make her way into the industry and um, gets her first big gig. But when she does, she learns that there's something nefarious. (laughs) Not quite right. About about the role that she's decided to take on Um, and, and just that that moral compass about trying to trying to figure that out it's interesting because horror the horror satire combo i think is hot right now and for good reason like it is a really powerful way to tell a story about social issues and particularly social injustice what are some of the ways that you used horror and satire in this movie to tell to tell the story or to make these points there's a lot of times the two are not like blended together. I think like automatically there's something political uh, about bringing people of color into a space and then making it about the fact that they're people of color like that automatically is is charged. Mm-hmm. Then you put somebody that's of color, a BIPOC community, and then you start really, you know, knocking at this door of what's fair, what isn't, you know, um, about pigeonholing, about uh being positioned up against somebody else that might have a particular kind of privilege. Um, and that's, that's what this is, right? It's like, what is othering? Um, and what is that messaging and exploring what that looks like, sounds like, feels like, 
uh, for somebody that is American, but also has something else that is so close to them. I mean, we're not talking like eight generations ago. We're talking, you know, these kids that are first gen, sometimes that are immigrants, sometimes second gen. Mm -hmm. So when I read the description of Sabor, the thing that stood out to me is that this film is about food and food culture and food traditions, especially in Latina communities, which is what I can speak to. Food traditions are sacred. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have a favorite like food memory? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, there are like two that come to mind. I have one with my grandfather, um, and it's just coffee. That's all it is. Cafe con leche. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather would wake up. Um, I don't know what it was so early. I just remember it was, it was so ridiculously early. And I would also wake up because I was a kid and had no problem doing that. And I remember I would like step right in, in the kitchen and he would turn around and he would always go, oh, that's exact, that's exact what he would do. Oh, and then he would, <laughs> and then he would like make me, co- I was like five, he'd make me co- a cafe con leche and, and we would dip uh, bread with butter on it. And we'd just dip in the coffee and we'd eat it. And that was like one of them. Yeah. And you'd think, I mean, that's like, it's not even like a quick, like, you know, like a, a plate, a dish. But I, I have such a core memory. Yeah. That's sensory. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. There was some tactile about it too, right? The cup, I remember it. Um, even the ways that we, like other things about kitchens, you know, with my grandparents. I remember they had like metal cups, you know. Yeah. Everything but coffee, mm-hmm. water and juice. They had metal cups. You know, yeah. I'm like, where everyone I'd go to a place and they'd have glass. I mean, obviously we had like the, those look like ceramic looking cups. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those, you know what I'm talking about? Those like little, it's like a teacup, but they're not teacups. They're regular cups. Yeah. Like mugs. Mugs. Like mug. Yeah. That was hard. Yes. We, uh, we had mugs, um, but we also had like, uh, those little tin, the little tin cups. And yeah. Like only my grandfather and my grandmother would use them. I have one here. It's like, and it's like a core memory. Yeah. You know, for no other reason. I have no idea why I use them. No, they're not great. They're not great because they're conductors. So you're like, you, you burn yourself often. <laughs> no, but it's nostalgia. It's like, it's, it's a tradition. Mm-hmm. Traditions aren't supposed to make sense. You know, I, yes, I agree with that, actually. Yeah, that's part of what makes it so sacred. Like, we hold it, no matter what, we hold it close. Right. So you keep drinking out of those silly those cups. Listen, I'm not going to, there's a lot of places that I can grow as a human. <laughs> but when it comes to what I drink out of, sorry, I'm drinking out of that tin cup. What's your second food memory? My grandmother lived in the kitchen and she would always make, um, which is a Dominican tradition, um, just white rice, white rice, beans, which Dominican beans are the best beans you'll ever have in your life. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, sure. Like, we could debate that another time. Yeah, I, yeah. you got to tell me who you think has the best. I'll tell you right now, Mexico does not have. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, they don't. But they've got good food, but they don't have the best beans. All right. I'll let, I'll let that one go. Yeah. <laughs> Try it. I'm telling you, go get some Dominican beans. I've had them. Anyway. They're good. Have you? Yeah. They're good. They're good. But again, it's it's about the tradition, right? It doesn't make it, sense. No, I hear it's you. not supposed to make yeah, sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're like, I like the ones that I, I like the ones my dad made. <laughs> she would just make them every, like almost daily. Mm-hmm. I ate rice, beans, and pollo guisado. And there was like, the salad was the most basic salad you'll ever see in your whole life. Mm-hmm. It was like a plate. It just had lettuce on it. And it had like some tomatoes and it would have some avocado. Yeah. And then some like olive oil and vinegar. Yeah. That was, that was the thing. Yeah. Sometimes onions, sometimes onions, but not always. Yeah. That's like, um, and I think I had it so often that I, like, it's my favorite food in the world. Rice, beans, chicken, the dumbest salad you've ever seen. <laughs> Listen, dumbest salad. that's not a dumb salad. Not every salad has to have like, you know, nuts in it and like chef. That's a good salad. Yes. they Yes, they do. <laughs> they have to have, <laughs> they have to have nuts in them. So why did you decide to make a movie about food traditions and food culture? Uh, you know, I, I think it's because it's so close to who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- not just, you know, Latina or Latinx people, but people in general. Mm-hmm. They, we all have like a relation to food. We all do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like just an immediate connection to that. But, you know, in our particular film, and this is not too much of a spoiler, our lead, she's kind of a, she's a Caribbean actor and, um, you know, born and raised in America, but she's got Latina roots from Puerto Rico or Cuba or, you know, and when she's, you know, hired to come on this big gig, she's getting paid a big chunk of money for it's a Mexican commercial. Mm. And, but that's not her culture. Right. Uh, and so there's already something askew. Yeah. When you put somebody that's Caribbean trying to sell something that is not that, but collecting a paycheck for it because they're trying to survive and they're trying to survive in this industry that, you know, they very much want to be a part of, mm. you know, but the industry is selling them, oh, you can only be a part of this, this way. Yeah. You know, you're just about the right skin tone. You got the right complexion. Mm-hmm. You say enough words in Spanish. Mm-hmm. We could sell you as the only kind of Spanish that we know, which is Mexican. Right. You know, right. a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, and like a particular, from a particular region of Mexico, because I mean, my family's in Yucatan and like they don't eat that many burritos. <laughs> yeah. Um, you filmed this in Utah, which is why you're on CityCast Salt Lake talking about it. Ayo. Ayo. I'm so like. In what ways does Utah and Salt Lake show up in this story or in these scenes or in just in this movie? Why why film it uh, here? Uh, because one, because I was there, and when you make a short film, um, you, you go with the space that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, because getting cast and crew to you know you're gonna have to fly people out, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the reason that we decided. Let's do this thing here. Mm-hmm. We have the means to do it here. We have the people to do it here. We've got the the, the star power to do it here in, in Utah. Mm-hmm. Utah nationally does not have the reputation of being as diverse a place as it actually is. But often when we're on the national stage, it's because we have like racist jazz fans that are yelling at players or whatever else, right? You posted on your Instagram, which is why I DM'd you and was like, come on the show and talk about it. Um, that you made this movie with the most diverse film crew ever in Utah history. 
Yep. I think that's amazing. And one of the things that you said about it was that selecting your crew is a quiet revolution. And I thought that was really resonant. Can you talk a bit about that? Um, yeah. Yeah. When we set out to make this film, I, with my producers who had my back all the way through, um, wanted to make sure that the community that we were specifically trying to uh, highlight in the film was being highlighted, not just in front of the camera, behind it. Um, and it's, it's tough to do because um, to really be able to tell that story, we wanted to, to have a, a wide, diverse group of people that could lend their gifts, that could lend their voices. Um, a movie is never just one person. A movie is like a whole team of people. It's like raising a baby. It's like, you know, you need, you know, what's, takes that, a village. what's that idiom? It takes a village. It takes a village to make a movie. Sometimes that village is like five people, you know, and if all those people are people of color, that's a, congratulations. You've made a film with like a hundred percent of a, you know, POC crew, which is wild. But when you do it on this scale, when you have literally like close to a hundred people in a crew and nearly 80% of them being of BIPOC communities this revolution is for all of us mm -hmm. to tell this kind of story. It belongs to all of us. Do you have any advice for filmmakers in Utah that want to build a crew and get a movie done? What'd you learn? What can you share and pass on? Yeah. What I, what I faced early on, um, because we had, you know, one of my producers is in Utah, does a ton. He's a producer there and really gifted. I remember in so many of our meetings, uh, there was like this thing, like we, this is not possible to, to ask for this, um, from, you know, whomever, whatever professional person, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and I just didn't believe it. I just was like, we don't know until we ask. And we, we still don't know until we ask twice. And we still don't know until we ask three times. Even if the answer is no, the first two times, it's like, well, maybe we ask again. Um, and that's what it takes. If you're going to be in this industry, you need to know. Um, it takes a lot of just believing that people are good and that you are a good person. And when somebody asks you for a favor, um, do it. Just be a good person. Be a good person. Help out. Um, and when you're telling a story, especially one that means so much, you don't do it for every story. Um, find the one that you think matters and try to rally. Be like, this really means a lot to me. Um, will you help me make it? And you'll be surprised. Okay. Not everyone is going to come in and help you. That's just the truth of the matter. But if, uh, if you ask, you'll be surprised to find that more people are willing to help you than there are that are not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. I think that actually might be one of my own guiding philosophies in life is just like making the assumption that it's harder for people to say no than yes. Like saying no is hard for everyone. No one wants to do it. And so chances are people will say yes if you ask. Gianfranco, thank you so much for your time. I love you guys. I love, I love you, Salt Lake. I love you. Salt Lake loves you back. I know. I know it does. I know it does. Come back soon. Thank you so much. See you guys. 
A little more arts news before we go. The Utah legislature just passed a bill that doubles the current tax breaks and incentives for films and TV shows made in Utah. Even better, production companies have to hire locally in order to get the incentives. And it's fantastic news for Salt Lake, but it's even better news for rural Utah counties, which are on track to benefit the most from these changes. Also, the Salt Lake City Arts Council's grant program is open for this year, and I think it's important that you know that grant making is not limited to organizations. Individual artists are eligible to apply for grants of up to $15,000 to fund work that will in some way eventually be available to the public. You can find the application at saltlakearts.org grants, and you have until March 29th to apply. So visual artists, sculptors, painters, poets, get out there, get paid for your art. Exposure doesn't pay the bills. You know that. That's our show today on CityCast Salt Lake. This is the part of the show where I ask you to rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. And you kind of black out and forget because that's how every podcast ends. But if I've made a breakthrough and you're still with me, please rate and review our show in Apple Podcasts. It helps enormously. I can't thank you enough. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. It's that like Pura Vida, like sort of, you know, they love it. They love it.